Hi everyone, welcome to the Odinic School of Mysteries. I'm Ms. Bear, thank you so much for being here today. I'm really glad that you've joined us. This is the Odinic School of Mysteries podcast, you found us at last. I'm, it's, uh, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> um, on the YouTube side, we're almost to uh, 100 subscribers. As of this recording, I think, and I'm recording this on the 13th of November, we're at 97, we're at 97 subscribers. So if only three of you <laughs> feel so inclined, please, 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 please hit the subscribe button. And that way we could, we can make that very small but important um, step into, into new territory as far as the analytics of YouTube is concerned. Not that it counts for much these days. The YouTube in general hates religious content of any kind. Uh, and that's just even something that even might even have a, uh, a sniff of, of something religious or higher thinking. They, they don't like it very much. So, um, but yeah, so we're almost there. Hopefully they, they don't, they won't bug us too much, but, uh, that just seems to be where we're going. Also, I do have, I've actually, I've had merch for a while, but it never really occurred to me that I needed to add a link to, in the description to the merch store. I went to Teespring and a few, about a month or two ago and, uh, created an account over there. So if you're interested in a sweatshirt or something, uh, go for it. We have it. And, and then of course, you know, if you, um, excuse me, are so inclined, we do have other means of supporting the channel. If you wish, no pressure. Uh, there is a subscribe star and a Patreon account. I also have a PayPal account. However, I, because I am illiterate when it comes to technology, I haven't quite figured out how to attach the link yet. Like, I don't know where to go to find the correct link for people to actually connect to it. So, uh, I'm working on that. I'll have to ask my wife how to do that. But that is, um, that's our little quick, our little quick, uh, I don't know. <laughs> News update, Ogenic School of Mysteries news update, um, if you want to call it that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't like, I don't know. Anyway, moving on. So, I want to talk about Thor. This is kind of my bread and butter. This is the, the Norse mysteries are the, the mysteries that I personally came up through. That I am a part of a Norse mystery school, and so this is the kind of this is the stories that I'm really interested in doing. This is my favorite topics, and I'm really excited to get into this because because it's really a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun for me to talk about this stuff, and so hopefully it'll be a lot of fun for you to listen to it as well. Thor is a pretty cool guy. Um, he's very very popular. And for good reason, right? He's kind of that quintessential male 
wish fulfillment character. Right? He is he is big, he's muscular, he's strong, and he wins fights, and people like that. People like that a lot. He is the perfect example of a true pure war god. People often they, they want to say Odin is a war god. And that's, you know, I, I've said this a thousand times, most likely, by now, but Odin isn't a war god. He is actually a wisdom god who has warlike components to him, as does almost all other wisdom gods under the sun. Wisdom, by its very nature, is very aggressive and, and warlike towards the forces of darkness, illusion, lies, and ignorance. So there is definitely war components to Odin, but he's not a war god. Uh, Thor is a war god. Um, unlike Odin, who will use conflict to achieve some greater goal, Thor is a god who revels in combat for the sake of being in combat. He likes fighting just because he likes fighting. And that is the, the main component of his character. So when we talk about Thor, there's a there's a few things that kind of we're gonna kind of run through real quick before we can kind of get into the meat and potatoes of, of this whole thing. So he represents the the planet Mars. In that the planet Mars in astrotheology, which is the the study of planets as divine beings, as symbols for something greater. Um, in astrotheology, uh, Thor is that same planet, that red, this the red planet, the red Thor is said to have a big red beard. Mars is a big red planet. He, he represents that in the, the astrotheological pantheon of the Norse philosophy and he also represents that same chakra if we want to talk about chakras or, or wheels of, of power in the human body he represents will he's that will god he is that thing that's right in your abdomen right in your guts like if you put your hand right on your navel or just above your navel that's what he represents so that's why like, you say, like, you have a lot of guts to do that, or you need more guts. That's what they're talking about. We also have the old saying, um, it's not really used very much anymore, but the idea, um, oh my gosh, I just, yellow belly. <laughs> when you call someone yellow, or someone, someone has a yellow belly, it, it, what reason it was such a grave insult Again, we don't use it too much today, but the reason it was such a grave insult when it was used is because it's saying you don't have courage. Courage comes from that that your that place in your stomach where you have to kind of steel yourself to go face something that is frankly terrifying. But which is which is why which is really interesting is he shares even the same descriptors of, of as his Roman and Greek counterparts. His Roman counterpart is Mars, 
and the Greek counter, his Greek counterpart is Ares. And both Ares and Thor are even described as red, which is really, I think, find really fascinating. There is always, I say that with a brief caveat, because there's always a danger when you're trying to draw parallels between pantheons, because it doesn't always work very well. Uh, and um, some pantheons seem to have come from entirely different locations, even. And so they're not... If you go and try and do a perfect one-to-one -one comparison, it's probably not going to work out too well. But they do share similar aspects. And one of the, the major aspects that they do share is this idea of will minus forethought. Will minus forethought. Whenever... Thor enters the arena, nothing new comes out of it. Nothing new is ever born with the, through Thor, through his, his character. And that's because it's really, so here's the thing. Let's take a step back and let's break it down this way. One of the things that people I don't think expect is that will is a feminine trait. It comes from the sacred feminine side of the knowledge split. So we have, so there's two, there's, there's basically, you could draw a line, right? And then the line on the left represents masculine, the right on the right represents feminine. And this is like if we're talking about the mind, left brain, right brain, for example. Symbolically speaking, things that are, and I've said this a hundred times, I know, uh, things that are quantifiable on a piece of paper are considered masculine. Things that are not quantifiable are considered feminine. Quantifiable knowledge is things like math, science, logic, linear time, that sorts of things. Um, strategy is a, for example, is a masculine trait. It's the masculine side is basically a calculator. The feminine side is knowledge that isn't quantifiable, that isn't quantifiable on a piece of paper. So things like, like I said last, last week, a mother's hug is a unquantifiable piece of knowledge. You can't quantify that. Eternity is an unquantifiable piece of knowledge. Art and the desire for creation. The knowledge of creation is an unquantifiable thing to know, right? So all of those are sacred feminine traits. Will is a sacred feminine trait. And what you have to understand is because will isn't really a quantifiable thing. You can't crunch the numbers and, and calculate will. So will is tied to emotion. It's directly tied to emotion, the, the creative principle. In fact, will is actually the, you can almost call it the, the muscles that squeeze out the, the baby. If we talk about, if you want trying to create something new in the universe, will is the, 
is kind of the thing that kind of it's the creative principle is what gets you off your seat and off doing something new it's the thing that kind of helps give birth to that that new creation so all the things that are tied to the sacred feminine are all tied to the principle of emotion and emotion is super important when we're dealing with balance and and creative processes without emotion you don't have anything there's nothing you can't create anything new if you don't have you know a healthy emotions so thor is a purely reactionary person something happens he gets emotional and he wants to hit something but he doesn't have he doesn't have the masculine <laughs> it sounds really bizarre because especially when we're dealing with someone who has so much bravado and ego as, as Thor, um, he doesn't have the masculine component to balance it out, which is forethought. Forethought is a is part of the sacred masculine thought structure. Forethought is crunching the numbers. It's cause and effect. It's looking into the future and saying, if I hit this person what is really going to, what is it really going to get in me except making me feel better? And in Thor's case, that's really what he's after. He's just pure emotion. And we see this same, if you want a real world example with this, you could see this with um, like extreme left-wing ideology where you have people who their feelings are hurt. You know, they, they see something that they don't like. They, and so they go out and they start burning down the city. Oh, I'm so angry. Now I'm going to break windows. I live I live in Portland. We see this all the time. You know, the um, left-wing activists are constantly breaking things in, in the, the city that I live in. So it's... It, it's, the, it's kind of the same... The same problem. Right? It's that, that reactionary thing. And so... The problem with this is that it doesn't, like I said, without forethought, without its, its, I guess you could call it its sexual partner, without the sacred masculine, nothing is created. And so when Thor is going about his business, when he enters the story, nothing is ever truly created into the universe when he enters it. So there's a, there's a good few examples of this. Um... So, let me be, okay, before we go into that, let's talk briefly again um, about Loki. And because this Loki makes actually a very good juxtaposition to, to Thor. They're kind of, in the myths, they're, they're, they're frenemies. Right, they're always fighting with each other, but they also hang out all the time, <laughs> which, is, which is kind of fun. They, when Loki enters a story invariably the gods will always end up with something that they didn't have before and so there's there's something that's different about Loki that Thor Loki has something that Thor does not have and that is forethought so and I don't know if it's and then this is, I think, it's part of the Western, the Christianized Western view of these things to 
turn things into black and white. You know, either something is good or it's evil. Something is either black or it's white. Something is either worthwhile or it's not. There's there's no nuance in the thinking in, in Western culture. And some of that comes out of Christianity. Um, a lot of our... The, the Western modality of thinking comes out of Christianity where if something isn't Christian, therefore it's of the devil. And so there is no black or white, either it's evil or it's good. And so we have this, this thing when we read books where we will be like, okay, who are the good guys and who are the bad guys? And once we just, once we're told who the good guy is, then everyone else is bad guys. One, one of the things I really enjoy about polytheism in general is that the, the good guy, bad guy dynamic isn't really very clear. All the gods have aspects of things that are good and things that are bad within their characters. And I, I really, really enjoy looking at that and having a more nuanced view of spiritual practice and the principles that are applied to it. And so the reason people, I don't think, treat Loki and his mystery the way that they should is because they have this idea that chaos equals bad. I'm going to say that again because it's rather important. They have this idea that chaos equals things that are bad. So I know this is going to be a, a brief side trail. I hope you stick with me because this is very important to understand Thor and it's very important to understand Loki. And it's, it's worth your time. So I ho hope you stick with me. The misconception is that chaos is pure mayhem and has no order within it. That's wrong. That's not true. Chaos has a tremendous amount of order within it. Cosmos, kind of the, the other side of the coin from chaos, though is, is thought to represent order, it has a tremendous amount of disorder within it. So the way to think about it is like this. The way it was um, described to me works really well. And um, think about it like this. So Cosmos represents the walled, the walled city. The walled city. Think of medieval times. Right, or the Dark Ages. You, have, you build a wall around your town to protect your population from wild animals, from marauders, from the wizard who lives in the forest. You have this, this wall that surrounds the town, and within the wall is considered cosmos. It's the, it's the thing that's under the control of humanity, or a higher power, I guess you could quote it's that's not a perfect way of putting it but you you kind of get the idea so they you have street lights you have stop signs you have laws that govern behavior you have you know people who work jobs and there's money there's currency exchange there's a tremendous amount of order that exists within cosmos 
but within cosmos, there is chaotic elements. There's elements of disorder. I used the wrong word there. Um, there's elements of disorder within cosmos, within the walls of the, walls of the city. There's criminals, there's corruption. There is hierarchies that are imposed on, on the population. There's extortion through taxation and all this other kind of stuff. But there's tremendous amounts of disharmony within harmony. Do you understand? But, but chaos is the stuff that lives outside the walls of the city. Now, I grew up in the mountains of Eastern Oregon. I spent most of my growing up time in a town of about 200 people. And we, you know, lived on food that we would hunt. And if you spent any time in the woods at all, you would recognize that there is a tremendous amount of order inside chaos tremendous amount of order but so the the thing that you have to understand is if you never leave the confines of your town you die you have to leave the walls of your town and go out into the chaos to get something new which is why chaos is very often uh, considered a feminine principle and I know some women will have will, wouldn't like don't like the association that, but that's because there's a profound misunderstanding of what chaos is and I think chaos should actually be rebranded and I think the the better term for it because there's so much baggage kind of held within the term chaos is I think that a good rebranding was necessary and I think a more apt way of putting it is mother mystery Mother Mystery is holds all the same principles of, of, of chaos, but without the baggage, essentially. So if you're living inside the town, you have to leave the walls to go find a new wife, because more than likely you're related to everyone who lives inside the town. You have to leave the walls in order to have trade. You have to leave the walls in order to raise your cattle, to grow corn or wheat or barley or any of those other crops you have to go into the woods to harvest logs for and wood for building for firewood you have the game is all out there there's no edible game unless you're talking about the rats um there's no edible game inside the walled city so but there's a tremendous amount of danger that's out there too right there's wild cats and there's wolves and there's bears and um you know warlocks with wands and the evil druids out there who live out there in in mother mystery so you have to leave the confines of your town enter the sacred feminine it's like like a sex symbol enter the sacred feminine in order to birth something new Chaos has to penetrate, or the, the, the masculine cosmos has to penetrate the, the female principle of chaos so that new things are born into the world. 
And that requires forethought. That requires planning. That requires an unreactionary mind. That requires a balance of both sacred feminine and masculine principles. Okay. So let's come back to Loki real quick. What does Loki have that Thor doesn't? Loki is the embodiment of mother mystery. And that's really, I know it seems so backwards to a lot of people, but it's true. So when Thor enters some, when Thor enters a story, nothing new is created. Something is always destroyed. Okay. Thor's answer to everything is to destroy it. When Loki enters the story, yes, there is, yes, he's a pain in the ass. Yes, there's struggle. Yes, there's hardship. But the gods always come up with something brand new because of his involvement. So there's, there's a couple of stories that illustrate this very well. Thor and Loki are about are going to go on a hunting trip. Thor was late. And so Loki was a little bit pissed off and a little bit drunk. And so he thought he's going to go get even with Thor. So he goes and cuts off all the hair of Thor's wife while she was sleeping. His, her, her, his wife is named Sif of the golden hair. And in the, in the particular mystery school I'm a part of, she is thought to be the moon. So the, the phases of the moon come from this story, basically. Um, so Thor finds out about this and gets pissed off. He's angry. Sif lost her hair. And so he goes to Loki and, and in true Thor fashion, he was going to hurt Loki until to get even, he's going to hurt him really bad. And it's that take principle. It's that thing that's like, I am emotional. I'm upset. I'm going to hurt something and I'm going to hurt it until I feel better. However, Loki having balance, so to speak, having mother mystery, having forethought convinces him to not hurt him in exchange for getting Sif a replacement hair. And so Thor agrees. And there's this really long story about how um, because of this, Loki goes down to see the, they're called the artificers in mystery school philosophy. Uh, most um, pantheons have some version of these guys, um, the dwarves. Um, they're even in Egyptian art. You could go look it up. Um, the dwarven artificers in Egyptian art. Anyway, so Loki goes to the artificers and he gets a whole, he sets up this whole competition to, um, between the different dwarf factions and who can make the best gifts for the gods and they vote. And it's this big, big whole story. But so to save us time, skip to the end, all the gods get new toys, including Sif. She gets golden hair that will made out of real gold that will grow 
on its own. And Thor gets his hammer. That's where he gets the, the story of his hammer from. Um, Freya gets a boat she can put in her pocket. I don't remember if Odin gets his spear at that time or not off the top of my head, but I know he gets like, um, he gets an arm ring, a golden arm ring that produces nine new rings every day. And so all the gods get something brand new because Loki, because of Loki's involvement, birth happens. Um, uh, another good story has to do with this. You have, um, Early on, before Asgard had walls, Asgard, again, is a, a symbol for your mind, essentially speaking. And before the mind has a skull, the, um, the gods were vulnerable to attacks from the frost giants. And Loki actually is, um, is a frost giant. He's a Jotun. And so... They're, they're talking amongst themselves. Okay, we, we got to build a wall. And they're looking way off in the distance. And there's these huge mountains. And they're like, it's going to be all this work. We're not going to be able to do it. It's going to be hard. It's going to take us forever. They're super vulnerable right now. And so this, this old looking man comes down from the mountain. And talks to the gods. And he says, I will build you a wall. And I'll do it in 40 days. And if I could do it in 40 days, I get to marry Freya. Freya wasn't too keen on this. And they were going to, and that was a huge ask. Right. It was a huge ask. <laughs> it was like, no, 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 you don't get to marry Freya. But Loki comes in. Loki steps in. And um, I should also point out that Thor isn't, here at this time. He's off killing frost giants somewhere. He's off taking. Uh, so Loki steps in and says, listen, you know, he's not going to be able to do it anyway. So let's just go ahead and let him start. That way it saves us work. And then when he fails, then, then, you know, we, we, we've saved ourselves some time and effort. And so the gods d deliberated for a little bit, and then finally they decided to. Forty days was was they weren't sure about that, so they're like, okay, 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 build it in three, and if you if you do, we'll let you marry Freya. I think that's who it was. Maybe I'm wrong. I I'm pretty sure it was Freya. Um. Yeah, I think it was Freya. Anyway, so the guy agrees and he has this horse. And so he goes, he, him and his horse and wagon goes up into the mountains and the gods are kind of patting themselves in the back. And he, he comes back with these huge blocks of stone. And in one huge swoop of his shovel, he clears out an entire section of earth and the, their eyes get wide and he starts placing these blocks and he, he places these blocks and the first layer of the wall is suddenly built. And they're like, oh, shit. And then so he goes up into the mountains and he comes back with more blocks and then a whole nother layer is built. And 
they're like, okay, something's going on here. What's happening? And so again, to, to just speed things along, it's looking like he's gonna complete the task. And they're starting to kind of put two and two together that this isn't some ordinary just old man. This is a guy who, um, there's more to him than what first meet the eye. And so at first they try, they try different things to get him to kind of squelch his progress. So ultimately what happens is Loki turns himself into a mare who's in heat and the, the old man's horse chases after him. And because the old man doesn't have a horse, uh, he can't complete the wall in time. And of course he gets really mad because the, um, the gods had sabotaged, sa sa sabotaged what he was doing and he thought that they had cheated. Well, he gets mad and then he changes form and he turns out, in, he turns into a mountain giant and is threatening to destroy the wall. And so here's, here's an interesting thing while we're here talking about this is that whenever you have a wisdom God that shows up in a story, at some point in that story, he is going to die. Wisdom gods always die. Always. And I don't know what the story is called in the source material, but in the in Norse mythology by Neil Gaiman, that um, uh, he titled it the story of the master builder, which should tell you, which is very similar, which is actually has quite a bit of parallels actually with the Hiram Abyss story that we covered um, in the last two episodes um, while we're talking about Freemasonry. Um, if a wisdom God shows up, he is going to die. Just, <laughs> just a guarantee. And so um, he's getting upset. He's going to start throwing rocks. And it's at that point when Thor shows up and Thor sees Asgard being attacked by a giant, doesn't ask any questions and just kills him. Hits him in the face with his hammer. Done. So Loki gets involved. Gods get a wall. And I think the gods of the end of the story, all they had to do was make a gatehouse. Um, Thor shows up. A god who is basically pure ignorance. Wisdom god dies. Right? Um, Thor gets mad at, at, at Loki for messing with his wife. Thor tries to hurt Loki to get revenge because he doesn't have forethought and Loki then, because Loki is involved, new things come, come about. And th this are, this is a very important thing to kind of understand is that we, there is a belief that force for the sake of force is what true authority is. Um, the right to, the right to produce violence is the highest form of authority. And that's what people like to say that if I'm just big and tough enough, then I will be able to get what I want and do what I want. And though that might be 
sort of true, it's not, it's not going to get you very far. Any kind of leadership has to have forethought involved. If you don't have forethought involved, you become a slave. Regardless of how big and tough you are, you become a slave. You can be tricked into doing anything. And Thor gets tricked a lot in the Norse mythology. He goes to the um, the halls of the frost giants and he gets his... They trick him constantly into doing things he can't do. And, you know, when he gets upset by it, his first instinct is to kill everyone and they disappear into the mountains or whatever. I don't, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying, I'm just trying to keep these stories short because I don't want to spend the whole time on the story. I want to get to the point of, of all of this. And so we have, even like with his hammer, for example, is a really good example of, of, of this principle where you have sharp objects, swords, spears, arrows, um, even the beaks of Odin's ravens, these things represent wisdom and they represent wisdom because these things are, are balanced and they create effectual change. If I take a knife and I slice into something, that what happens is two equal pieces, right? If I take a hammer and I smash something, it creates destruction. There is no fixing it. It just splat. And the fact that he uses hammer is a, a very good, it kind of speaks to the potential of who he is as a god. He's a very young god, for example. He's almost like, so the, what they say is that war gods and chaos gods are basically the progenitors of the wisdom god. That Thor and Loki kind of represent who Odin was before Odin found wisdom. But they're just two different sides. They represent two different forces of, of nature. But the difference is, is that Loki can produce new things. In fact, with that story we were just talking about with when Loki turned into a horse, he goes and gets himself pregnant. Impregnated by the master builder, by wisdom. Loki, the, the, the embodiment of mother mystery, gets impregnated by the wisdom god. And then gives birth to Sleipner, which later, which becomes, which Loki then gives to Odin. And Odin uses this, this symbol of the, of the unification of mother mystery and wisdom, the masculine and the feminine, he uses this unification principle to travel the realms from plane to plane to world to world. He rides it up and down the world tree. So these two principles are, are important embodiments of each other. Um, you have to have embodiments of each other. What am I saying? These two principles, the masculine and the feminine are required in equal balance in order to get anything done. Is what I'm trying to say. 
Right. So, so Thor, again, to just reiterate what I'm saying, he's the embodiment of will minus forethought without forward planning. And it's, um, he's all, he's all emotion, but he doesn't have the ability to look forward into the future and problem solve. At the death of Balder, and, and again, I'm referencing Neil Gaiman's book, Norse Mythology, his, um, in the story of the death of Balder, when he's there at the, the funeral pyre and they're burning Balder, the sun god on the funeral pyre, Thor is so mad, he kicks a dwarf into the pyre and the dwarf, dwarf burns to death. That is not the picture of someone who's in balance. That's not the picture of someone who has a lot of forethought. Sure, it made Thor feel better to get his anger out, but to burn someone alive because you're upset isn't a picture of someone who is in equilibrium. And so that is a word to the wise. If you see someone like this, they're, they're not someone who is in equilibrium. Anyway, so I know this one wasn't as long. I've been keeping these to about an hour or so, but um, I think we've covered all the ground that we need to cover. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me. My email is in the description box below, um, or please leave a comment and we will talk more later at some other date. I hope you have a great day and uh, bye-bye.